Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, let's get in to the message this morning here. I'm going to take a quick drink here. Last week, we started um, looking at Jesus's, you could almost say, final teachings. So we are getting prepared for Good Friday and for Resurrection Sunday, and I think it's, I think it's good for us as a church to, to really start to get our hearts and minds wrapped around Jesus' death and resurrection, and Jesus has some final teachings he gives to his disciples. Last week, we looked at John uh, 15 and kind of going into 16, and Jesus is warning them, listen, the world is not going to like you. And that was the title of last week's message. And it was a reminder that Jesus is warning them, saying, listen, persecution, hatred, and possibly death is coming to you. Not because of you, but because of me. And Jesus is warning them, and Jesus reminds them that a servant is not greater than their master. Jesus is our master, and we are the servants. And as Jesus walked, we should expect and we should have a mindset ready for what the world could be throwing at us and what they will do to us on the account of being a Christ follower. Well, this week, we're going to be having another message. This is coming out of John. We're going to pick right back up in John 16. And Jesus is going to talk about the helper this week. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 16, and we're going to stand and we're going to read God's Word this morning. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we look at John chapter 16, starting in verse 4. God's Word says this this morning. Jesus says, but I've said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? Verse 6, but because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I've said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let us pray. Father, As we come to your word this morning, Father, may the helper, may the spirit of truth come and minister to us, Lord. Father, lead us this morning as we look to your word and as we look to you. Father, I ask this now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You guys may be seated this morning. So Jesus' disciples are not doing too well in this moment. If you look back on verses 4 through, through 6, Jesus said these words to him or to them. He said, I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now, I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? Because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Jesus is reminding them once again that he's leaving. It's time for me to go. And it's interesting here because Jesus says, I, I wasn't really teaching you this from the beginning, but now the hour has come. And Jesus is reminding them that the end of an era is about to take place. And for us, as we read these words, I think it's, it, it's kind of easy to kind of just gloss over these words here. Like, oh yeah, we knew that Jesus had to come and Jesus had to die. And, and we know this because we are looking back. But if you could imagine with me for a moment how the disciples felt in this very hour. These men have been following Jesus for three years. Three years they gave their life to Christ. They abandoned things of this world and said, I'm going to follow you. And they had been following him. They saw teaching after teaching, miracle after miracle. All of the Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in this man, in this Son of God. The Savior, the one that they had been waiting for as a nation for hundreds of years, had arrived. And not only that, not only that, you have to also remember what the disciples were waiting for. In their minds, they were waiting for a physical king to come to earth. They were waiting for another David to arrive. They wanted a king to come and to overthrow all the Romans, and they wanted this king to establish Israel like it was in the old days. And then... This one that they have been following for three years looks at them and says, I got to go. It's time for me to go back to the Father. I share this because you can see their mindset and you can understand why sorrow would fill their hearts. I mean, really, really think about this. Like, we, we kind of look back on this, but you can just see within this moment the intensity of what is taking place. Now, this wasn't the, the first time Jesus had mentioned to them that he was going away. He, he had mentioned it previously. But the disciples, they weren't even focused on it yet. Look at John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may also, or be also. And you know that the way to where I'm going. And then Thomas, 
asked this, asked this question. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas's first question isn't really his question. It's his second question that is the heart of what Thomas is saying. Thomas wants to know how do we get to, to this place that, that you are talking about, Jesus. And Jesus looks at him in the most famous words out of John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For now, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Thomas's issue was that he wanted to know, how do I get there? Jesus, you talk about going away and preparing a place. And Thomas's heart is just, how do I get there? And Jesus looks at him and says, Thomas, you know the way. It is through me. But the disciples have sorrow in their hearts, is what John 16, 6 says. Because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. And like what I said, it makes sense. It makes sense on why these disciples would be feeling this way in this moment. The king they had been waiting for looks at them and says, it's time for me to go. And then there's this interesting verse, which is John 16, 7 which I can see would not land very well with the disciples. It says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I can see the disciples sitting there thinking, Advantage. What are you talking about, Jesus? This is to our advantage? What? We, we, we've been following you. We've seen what you do on this earth. They had seen countless healings. They had seen Jesus feed 5,000 plus people. Not once, twice, who knows how many times. They had seen miracle after miracle, teaching after teaching. When they looked to Jesus, they recognized he is the Lord. He was their king. And Jesus looks at him and says, it's to your advantage? I would have been absolutely heartbroken. What do you mean advantage? No. You know, this, this isn't happening, Jesus. And we see that play out where Peter previously puts his foot in his mouth. Jesus, this isn't going to happen to you. And Jesus rebukes him and says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're, you are thinking on things of this world. But he says this is an advantage to you. I think we need to remember, church, why did Jesus come? What was Jesus' goal in stepping from heaven into time? What did Jesus need to accomplish? Well, we see this at Jesus' birth, Matthew one twenty one. She will bear a son. She shall call his name Jesus. And this is what Jesus is going to do. He will save his people from their sins. John 3.17. John 3.16 gets, gets quoted a lot. But John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to this earth for a purpose. His purpose was to die for the sins of this world. And to be resurrected, to bring life to our dead bones.
Jesus' purpose was to come and die. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I got to go. It's for the best. This is, ad- this is for you. This is going to be an advantage to you. Now, my mind thinks differently than most people's minds. I understand that. And I think it's partially because I'm borderline crazy. And, uh, I, and I blame my dad. So the next time when my dad comes this summer, when you say, hey, your son brings up some really weird things, and I don't understand it, you can, you can just blame him there. But when I think about these words, when I think about this situation, when I think about this moment in time when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, they are madly in love with Jesus. They're following Jesus. They're committed. They're, they're, they're all in right now. Now, they will be scattered, and, but they're going to come back. But when I think about this, I, I, my mind tends to run to different movies and different thoughts. And there was a 90s movie out there that you might be wondering, Pastor, what are you talking about here? So there was this 90s movie. Uh, it was called The Bodyguard. Have you guys ever heard of that movie? Super famous in the 90s. I realize it kind of dates me. If you're in college, glazed right over. Totally get it. There was a, a famous singer at the time, Whitney Houston, and uh, her bodyguard was Kevin Costner, and it was this famous movie. I have no idea if this movie is appropriate. I could not tell you. I might be, might be quoting something. I haven't seen it in 20 years, right? Leah is saying, no, Jeff, not appropriate. <laughs> Thank you, Leah. Don't watch it. But there's a song <laughs> that comes out of that movie that every time this song is played, I literally think of these verses. And Olivia was going to come and sing this song today, but her voice, but you guys might know how this song goes. And uh, Whitney Houston sings this song in there. And the song goes, If I should stay, I would only be in your way. So I'll go. But I know I'll think of you every step of the way. And I will always love you will always love you, my darling you. There's bittersweet memories that I will be taking with me. So goodbye, please don't cry, but we both know I'm not what you need, and I will always love you. And then there's this really sweet saxophone, like melody in the middle there, if you know the, the, uh, the, uh, the song there, but... I think of that song because I see what is taking place here. Jesus is looking at his 12. And his 12 are committed to him. And Jesus is saying, listen, i got to go. It's time. I love you, but I'm going to send this helper to be with you. And then Jesus explains to them, Three things that this helper is going to do for them. Not just for them, but we see a role that the helper is going to play in this world and to us. And I want to kind of explore that this morning about what the Holy Spirit's role is going to do in our lives. And look at John 16, verses 8 through 11. This is the first thing the Holy Spirit is going to do. Or I should say the first role. He says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, real quick, I got to point this out. Anytime we talk about the Holy Spirit, there is so many misconceptions on who the Holy Spirit is. And I shared this a few weeks ago. Majority of people attending church kind of have this mindset that the Holy Spirit is like the force in Star Wars. You guys laugh at that, but many people kind of have this mindset, you know, and I realize TV kind of does that to you, but people kind of have this mindset that the Holy Spirit is kind of like that Jedi force, and we are like Jedis, right? And we can kind of like use the force to our advantage. And I realize none of you walk around, you know, waving hands like the force, you know, the Spirit will be with you. You will come to Jesus. You know, like, I, I realize that, but there is so many misconceptions when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We need to understand this. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, He. I want you to really, like, get that into your mindset. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a force. It's He. It's a personhood. The third personhood of the Trinity. We have to, like, understand that first because so many people don't understand this about the Holy Spirit. A professor of mine in college, I was joking around with, uh, with uh, Jeff here this week, I was talking, and a professor of mine in college said, students, be very, very careful when you preach on the Holy Spirit because you are only one word away from being a heretic. And it's absolutely true. There's some confusion there, but I think we need to really understand that the Holy Spirit truly is the third person in the Trinity. He's God. So is Jesus. So is the Father. And I realize the Trinity is very confusing, so we're going to leave it at that for right now, but I will do a series on that. But the, the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, has a role to play. And he says this, He will convict the world. Now that word, convict, in, in Greek when it's used in the New Testament, almost always means to show someone his sin and to summon him to repentance. Convict. To show someone their sin and summon them to repentance. To bring to light, to expose, to set forth. And Jesus says this conviction applies to three areas. To sin, to righteousness, and to judgment. And I want you to kind of think about this as a court scene. If there is a judge making a judgment here, the Spirit is the prosecuting attorney who presents God's case against humanity. So this is the Holy Spirit's role to the world. He creates an inescapable awareness of sin so that it cannot be dismissed or excused or evaded by taking refuge in the fact that everybody sins. And the essence of sin is unbelief. That is, the, that is the core of sin within this world, is that there is this unbelief in who? In Jesus. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to bring to light Mankind's lack of faith 
and the Son. The second area in which the Spirit is going to convict people is in this area of righteousness. And this this is a little bit confusing on just Jesus' words here. Um, He said, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Do you realize that when it comes to righteousness, who is the standard? It's Jesus. Jesus is the standard. Now, we've got the Old Testament, right? Don't get me wrong. We've got the Ten Commandments, but Jesus fulfills all of it. Jesus is the standard of righteousness before God. And nobody measures up. If you've been coming to church, you you absolutely recognize that, that nobody measures up. And the Holy Spirit is going to bring to light this standard within mankind. He is building a case against humanity. He comes to convict the world of sin, their lack of righteousness because of who Jesus is. And then he says this last one of judgment. He says, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, who started this rebellion against God? It's a trick question. Any takers? Anthony, what do you got there, buddy? I'm, I'm calling on you right now. Who started the rebellion? you got to pay attention, Anthony. Come on, buddy. <laughs> the rebellion started in Genesis chapter 3. It's okay. We'll talk later. I'll buy you coffee this week. There was this rebellion back in Genesis chapter 3. The serpent. Satan comes to deceive. He planted seeds of doubt within Adam and Eve, and they, the rebellion against God had started. And Jesus says concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Satan himself is already on the judgment block. If you look at Revelations, it's coming for him. And Jesus says, now concerning judgment, the ruler of this world will be judged. And, and as you look at this, if the Holy Spirit is coming to bring conviction to this world, and Jesus mentions these three areas, it's bringing to mind within mankind that there is judgment, that there is a standard of righteousness, and there is sin within mankind. And, 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 and I've always said, this is great news. You know why this is great news, church? Because it's not our job to bring conviction to this world. Did you know that? If you've got a friend or relative who is part of this world who does not know Jesus, it's not your job to convict them. It's not your job to somehow make them realize that they are guilty of sin, that they stand in judgment of God and that they are condemned because of sin within their life. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Jesus says the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to convict this world of sin. And I share this with you because, to me, it brings so much comfort. Like, and if you've not figured this one out yet, you can't change people. Did you realize that? You can't control people. You can't change people. We can love people. We can bring God's word. We can bring God's truth. We can share the gospel. But it's God, 
who is working on men and women's hearts in this world. It's not us. We're just walking in obedience and we're watching God do his work. And the Holy Spirit does this. Anytime a man or woman comes to faith in Christ, you will see the Holy Spirit working in their life. If somebody comes to faith in Christ and does not have an understanding of their own sin, I'm questioning what is going on in their lives because God's Word is teaching that the Spirit comes to convict this world. He brings to light our shortcomings. How we have fallen short and the sin within us. But the Holy Spirit, He doesn't leave us there. And we're going to come back to that note. But the Holy Spirit has a role also towards the disciples. Look at verses 12 and 13. This is, you could almost say, the the second role. Jesus said this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus says, I I got some more stuff here. You're not ready for it. But when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit's role within their lives and within our lives is that he comes and he will guide you in all truth. And this is also an interesting fact here. The Holy Spirit will not have an independent thought outside of the Father and the Son. Like what I said, he's, he's part of the Trinity. And I realize it's, it's the most mysterious part because um, it's very, very difficult to kind of wrap our heads and our minds around, around God's Spirit. But Jesus says here that he will not speak on his own authority, but, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The, the Father and the Son are perfectly unified, and he will lead the disciples. And you actually see this play out. If you continue to read God's Word, read the book of Acts. What happens? The Spirit leads them. The Spirit is teaching them. The Spirit is guiding them. And the Spirit is at work within their lives. And you see the Holy Spirit convicting the world of their sin, calling people to repentance, You will see this perfectly play out as you read the book of Acts. It's actually quite amazing. Read read John 16 and then flip and then read the book of Acts and watch how the Spirit is at work throughout all of it. And I think for us, we have to fully recognize that, that the Spirit's role within our lives is to guide us, is to lead us, is to teach us. And and I would just point this one out because... Um, I do come from a Pentecostal background, and, and if you come from a, Pente- a Pentecostal background, you, you'll know what I mean. And um, Part of the dangers that I've seen play out within this life is um, there are people out there that think that the Spirit is going to work contrary to God's Word. That somehow when the Spirit is moving, it's almost like it doesn't have to line up with God's Word. And I just share that because the Spirit and Jesus and the Father are unified and God's Word is His spoken Word. The Spirit within your life, how will He guide you? How will He lead you? 
it's always in line with God's Word. It's never outside of God's Word's parameters. Now, the Spirit might be calling you to do some crazy things, which I believe He does at times, but you can read that within the book of Acts too. But the Spirit is always working to bring people to Christ. And that's the third point here, because look at John 16, 14. Jesus says this, He will glorify me. Meaning the Holy Spirit is always pointing men and women, ourselves, to Jesus. He's not leading you down some other rabbit hole or you know this whole movement that has taken place in our culture in the last 40 years. Why can't we all just coexist? And the Muslim God, is he's no different. It is different. Because the Spirit is pointing us to Jesus. He's pointing this world to Jesus. Why would he be doing that? Because the world needs Jesus. And I realize that's like overly stated, but if you really, really think about it, there's this separation between man and God, and the cross solves it. Jesus went to the cross for what? For the sins of this world. He paid the price for what? For the sins of this world. Jesus comes to die for the sins of this world, and the Holy Spirit's role is pointing out sin, revealing sin, calling us to repentance, and then leading and guiding us, but also pointing us to Christ. And I think this is, this is vital for us to understand when we think about the helper in our lives. He's always pointing to Jesus. He's always bringing us to what Christ has done. He's reminding this world, he's showing this world their need for a Savior. And he doesn't just leave them there, abandoned, just like orphans. He's pointing them to the one who can save them. As I think about our, our own lives, church, I've, I'm overwhelmed with the sense that that's how our lives should reflect as well. The Holy Spirit's role is an amazing role that Jesus lays out here. And we could, we could continue to be talking more on the, on the Holy Spirit here and I kind of had a second sermon pre prepared because late last night I was reading Romans and I was like, oh man, this would be good for this morning too. Maybe we can pick that one up at about 12.30 today. So we'll invite you guys back in here. But there's so much within God's Word that, that speaks about His Spirit's role within the world's life but within our lives. And I, I just want us just to, just to realize that the Spirit is pointing always towards Christ. And I think for us, the reason why Jesus says, go and make disciples. Why the challenge of the, the New Testament is go and proclaim who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. It's because it's, it truly is the saving message that this world needs. And I say that a lot, but, but our motivation, our focus, our thoughts, our words ought to be pointing towards Christ as the Holy Spirit does. He glorifies Jesus. He's pointing this world to Jesus. He's pointing us to Jesus. And I want to just encourage you and challenge you with that as well this morning, church. That's our job as well. Let the Holy Spirit be active in your life and be leading you. Now, somebody did ask me, this was a while ago, how do we know if we have the Holy Spirit? That's always a question people's mind has. Well, 
He brings conviction. He brings the reality of sin within our lives. And He calls you to repentance, and He calls you to Christ. And if you have come to Christ, and if you have believed in the one and only Son, God's Word teaches that His Spirit then comes and resides within you. And He will lead you. He will guide you into all truth. And it's not a complicated mystery. It's not this like, well, do I have to feel something? Does something weird have to happen? It's faith in the Son. It's belief in Jesus, in what He has done for you. It's you recognizing by the Spirit's work that you have fallen short. That you do not measure up to the standards of God. Every Christ follower recognizes that first and foremost. If you're out there thinking, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, you don't measure up. You, you, you have fallen short. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus comes to rescue us. And Jesus' commands and demands upon mankind is belief. Belief in the one and only Son. Belief in what He has done on that cross in His death and resurrection is what Romans 10 talks about. We confess Jesus and we believe in what He has done for us. And God's Word said His Spirit comes and dwells within you. And the Spirit will lead you and the Spirit will guide you. And I want to just leave us with that, church families, to challenge you in that, but also to know that, to trust that. There's so much comfort in this helper that Jesus has sent to us. We're not alone. He has not abandoned us. He is the good shepherd. He doesn't just leave us like orphans. He sent him for our advantage. Let me stand, and I want to pray for us this morning, and the worship team is going to lead us in a song to continue to glorify Jesus. But I would challenge you as you stand. If you have not made that commitment to Christ, and you know that the Spirit of God has been working on your life, you feel a sense of conviction, a sense of need of a Savior, I want to talk to you. I want to walk with you down that road. And we got people here that want to walk with you too. Because that's the work that the Spirit desires to do within our lives and in this world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you for sending your one and only Son to the cross for me. And I thank you, Lord, for the work of your Holy Spirit within our lives. Father, continue. Continue the work that you have started with your Holy Spirit. Father, I praise you this morning. Draw us, Lord. Convict us, Lord. Point us to your Son. God, I ask this now in Jesus' name.